Welcome to the Life to the Fullest podcast by EF3. I'm your host, Dan Jason. EF3 is about living a full and abundant life. Together, we strive to use education, faith, fitness, and finance to improve the lives of others and ourselves. We desire to impact every person we meet in a positive manner and to leave them better off. Every day, we have the opportunity to influence people and better our world. It is up to us to decide how we will use the time we have been blessed with. Be sure to visit EF3Life.com and follow us on social media at EF3Life. There's only one way to live, and that is life to the fullest. Thanks for joining us today for a dynamite episode entitled Love Beyond the Game. Minnesota Twins pitching coach Mike McCarthy is known for his great prowess and expertise on the diamond. Having played over six seasons in professional baseball and now developing the best young talent there is in the game. However, what Mike is most excited about goes well beyond baseball. It is something that all of us could learn from and be inspired by. Mike's approach to life is truly special as he dedicates his time to serving others by spreading love and positivity. On today's podcast, Mike McCarthy joins me and discusses having a heart of service how we can use a ripple effect and cause an impact on society in our own unique way. And he discusses the importance of impacting the lives of others through our generous acts of love. Over the past year, I've had the pleasure to work alongside professional baseball coach, Mike McCarthy. However, the first time I met Mike was not on the baseball diamond. Instead, it was on the streets of Mexico City, as we both showed up to serve street kids and the homeless. That week, Mike and I would go on to provide baseball and softball instruction and renewed hope to hundreds of children in one of the poorest areas on the planet. Working alongside other members of the Baseball Miracles team, we served together in the dump in Mexico City, putting on a clinic for the kids. Watching Mike interact with the children, seeing him share his love of the game and pour out such positivity to those kids was special. I could tell from the get-go that Mike had a big heart. McCarthy played professional baseball for over six seasons, most of his time being spent with the Boston Red Sox organization. Now, he is a professional pitching coach of the Minnesota Twins organization. What is most impressive is that Mike has dedicated years to serving impoverished children, being the field coordinator for Baseball Miracles, traveling the globe to teach the game, provide an experience that they will never forget. Recently, Mike was planning on taking a vacation after the season ended. However, he decided to amend those plans, giving up his time to serve residents in southwest Louisiana after their community was decimated by a hurricane. Today, Mike will join me and discuss his time in the bayou, the work he did there, the importance of having a heart of service by being men and women for others. I am so excited for you, our listeners, to join us as Mike and I talk about and reflect on how the gift of life and a heart of service is powerful beyond all measure. Each human being is called to contribute and to give, and it is truly in giving that we receive. Today is a day we have been blessed with. We have the ability to use our time, talent, and passions as a powerful instrument. Together, we are capable of changing the world. Hi, Mike. Thanks for joining me on the Life to the Fullest podcast today. How are you doing? Good, Dan. How are you doing, brother? Doing pretty well. I'm uh, just really grateful that you could take some time 
on this day to share with us what you've been up to and the ways that you've been impacting our world, especially as people are navigating through this pandemic. And we're all in need of some positivity and to hear some great uh, efforts that you've been involved with lately is certainly going to do that. Well, I appreciate that. That's kind of you to say, um, you know, everybody's going through a really tough time, seek out opportunities uh, uh, that are maybe non-traditional, right? Whether it's doing, uh, jumping on a, a Zoom call with, uh, uh, whether it's saying, hey, we're going to fundraise uh, food for a p- food pantry. We know there's a lot of people in need um, that are hungry and struggling with finances right now. Um, whether it's calling a local school and saying, hey, how can I help from remote? Or is there s- supplies I can drop off for kids? Or do you need deliveries done? Or finding new ways to say, hey, there's there's less traditional ways of serving than we've done in the past with large groups and large events. But saying, what can I go do? And where are the areas that I can help out? What are things outdoors? And, um, you know, things, I mean, there's people sewing masks and blankets and coat drives. And it just seems like people are finding ways around this. And, uh, you know, I've just tried to do my part, um, make time to help out at the local baseball facility, encouraging kids, you know, we're physically distancing and masking, but encouraging them to continue to think thoughtfully of the world around them, uh, to bring donations, to uh, encourage them to continue to think about life skills and how this challenge is going to make them stronger and a better person in life. No, that's amazing. I mean, you're just a tremendous role model for so many young people out there, kids and those young adults and and people in general, as you continue to do just that. You get out there and you're involved even during these times. And I think that's what people need to hear. There are many ways to be able to give back, to help others in their time of need, even during this pandemic. And it's not an excuse. It's actually a bigger opportunity for us to turn it into something positive and to be creative with the ways that we can help out in our own way, however we're feeling called and whatever our passions in life might involve. So true. You know, and and for for many of us, there's um, I was listening to Simon Sinek. He had a, uh, a piece last night on an interview and he said uh, uh, there's a, the difference between people that are entrepreneurs and people that are uh, are not entrepreneurs is whether they see an obstacle in the way or they see the goal that they're trying to get to and they're just working their way through the obstacle. And I think that same way as service, right? If we are called to serve, if we love to serve, if that's what we're passionate about, um, or if we've never done it, but we're interested in it, we're going to find a way. And there's so many people in need, so many people that can use our help right now. Uh, we just have to find a way. We have to be persistent and determined that we're going to find ways to give back. Um, and that doesn't always mean through money. So a lot of times that means just through our time or our thoughts, our prayers, the way that we live our life um, can be so impactful if we're willing to, to truly make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important for people to understand that service in itself cannot be compartmentalized. Obviously, a lot of people know you as a great professional baseball player and now a coach and uh, somebody who just really loves sharing the game. But that's not who you are completely. Like at the core, you're somebody who's willing to give in every capacity And for those out there who are inclined to love athletics or have another passion, all that is amazing. And there are ways that we can give back in those areas, but also it's our heart for service to do it as part of who we are as people for others, being men and women for others. And that's what truly living life is about. And as the great baseball player Jackie Robinson said, the life means nothing except for the impact we can have on other people's lives. So if we could just continue to think about that, reflect upon it, pray about it, and see where God's calling us in our own life and how we can be a, uh, a beacon of light and a ray of hope for other people, we can do some amazing things through His grace and be able to impact others that will have a lasting effect. 
Absolutely. You know, oftentimes we uh, meet somebody and um, or we're introduced by somebody or we go to an event and immediately we're introduced by what we do for a living. Um, and I've always found myself appreciating the opportunity to challenge that narrative that, uh, you know, this is Dan, one of the most giving people I've ever met. Like I got to work with him on a trip where we went to Mexico City and he's just so giving of his time and his effort in his daily life. And they're like, oh, by the way, his career is as averse to, you know, like, oh, here's Mike, baseball coach, you know, really knowledgeable about baseball. And you're like, great. What does that tell me? You know, there's, there's an element of when we define somebody by their career, we're missing a huge part of who they are. And I think that's what uh, you really spoke to well there. We've got to, to see each other as people, as um, uh, those that are, are exist for a greater meaning and a greater purpose than what our careers are defined by. Our careers are just a small piece of our life. Um, very impactful in there, how we make a living, how we put a home together, how we help raise children, but they are just a piece of our life and they don't define us. Yeah. And I think that just speaks volumes to everybody has a story. And regardless if you're the one who's going and you're doing the serving or you're somebody who's on the receiving end, we've all been on each end of that spectrum before in our own life. That that, as you mentioned, doesn't define who we are, what we do. It's about looking at the depth of someone's heart and what they are getting involved in and how they're impacting other people and knowing them at the core, being willing to listen and to understand. And as Father Gregory Boyle in one of my favorite books, Tattoos on the Heart, mentioned, it's not enough to take a stance on an issue, but we have to stand with people in the issue and truly encounter and experience what they're going through with them and journey on together as, as a human community. It's so true. You know, and the word that comes to mind immediately is empathy, right? We seek to empathize and understand um, as adverse to pass judgment or to assume we know, right? And that humility uh, is really important. Um, one of my favorite researchers is Brene Brown, and she talks about the ability to have vulnerability, um, to understand somebody, to seek to understand them before you pass judgment on them. And I think that's replicated across our society through our faith and through our ability to coach, through our ability to teach, the way that we impact the world is oftentimes not based on our ability to gather all this great biomechanics knowledge or kinematics that, you know, as a space I work in in baseball, but it's the ability to say like, who are you? Tell me about yourself. Let me understand you. Let me get on my knees to understand you. Let me get to the level that you're on and find a way of understanding who that person is. And when we do that, we build a deep level of trust. And you see this replicated throughout, whether it's the military, whether it's on sports teams, whether it's in local communities, neighbors, et cetera, we have to seek to understand one another and to get on that person's level first. And oftentimes that feels like maybe there's an absence of power, right? We feel like, well, you know, I have to be the smartest person in the room. I think it's the exact opposite. I think the smartest person in the room is the person that listens really well. And, you know, I had a coach one time, he says, Mac, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should listen twice as much as you speak. And it could have been more true, right? The more we listen, the more we seek to understand, the more we empathize and build trust, the more that we truly uh, understand the world around us. And um, I think that's at the foundation of service. Yeah. And just to speak about what you mentioned in terms of not judging others, actually, it was last night I was doing a reflection and I was reading some from Mother Teresa. And she mentioned, if we judge, we don't have time to love. So by having this open mindedness, by hearing people out, by understanding a situation and that there's so much more that goes into someone's life than the surface level by really getting to know, as you mentioned, somebody 
uh, heart to heart and having that deep connection and trust that does take vulnerability. But in doing so, that openness breaks down these walls and barriers, these divisions that exist between groups of people. And then when dialogue can take place, when uh, openness happens, we can see real breakthrough come in. And at the, at the whole level, at the core, we're all human. So we have so much more common than we have that's, you know, that separates us. And if we'll focus on those things, I think we can continue to put forth a good charge and, and help to breed that positivity. So true. Yeah, I, I love how you say that because the, um, and that Mother Teresa quote, because it, as I think about um, whether it's in my career or in the interactions I have with the world around me, um, the way I seek out opportunities to serve or to give, it starts with an understanding that of gratitude, right? I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at and we count our blessings. But there's also the other side, the admission of sin, right? The admission of shortcoming, the admission of mistake. And when we do that, um, we're admitting that we are not perfect by a long shot. We are admitting that we are, are just as guilty of shortcomings as anyone else and that we are all sinners in this world. And I think that's where, when we look at that as the foundational piece of uh, saying, I know that I'm fortunate. I'm very grateful for what I have, uh, the life I live, the blessings that are in my life. And then I say, I know that I have shortcomings. I know that I've fallen short and that I can be better. Those two pieces really start to give us um, a foundational infrastructure to how we see other people. And without those pieces, without that understanding of gratitude, without the understanding of our shortcomings, we're never going to fully understand how to reach others um, in an enlightened way and in a deep way. Um, we have to access those about ourselves. And that comes with deep self-reflection, a deep observation of self to understand my interaction with the world and the others around me versus saying the world is interacting with me, right? I am just a small piece. I am just a, a, a tiny, humble piece of this world um, uh, that is very fortunate to be here versus the world is interacting with me. Now, you mentioned it really beautifully there because it takes a great deal of humility a lot of times people aren't willing to uh, take accountability of their own shortcomings or to look themselves in the mirror and understand, yes, I don't have it all together, but that's okay. You know, God doesn't ask us to have everything figured out all the time, but he does ask us to be authentically ourselves and to also uh, be vulnerable and to admit our wrongdoings, but also that we need that mercy and that grace. Another thing that I was reading last night, Mother Teresa was mentioning, is this quote that she says, the fruit of the silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service. And the fruit of service is peace. And we think about all those things intertwined and entangled into our life when we have that deep prayerful reflection and we can take uh, account of what we have done and we can think about throughout the course of the day, maybe where we have been someone who's been reaching out to other people, or maybe we denied a situation or an opportunity to do so where we've felt God's love and maybe where we felt emptiness inside. It could certainly help us as we continue to foster that faith and grow as a people, but then ultimately to be able to be more willing to be open-minded, uh, service-oriented and loving towards others. So true. I can see myself downloading this podcast uh, when it comes out and re-listening to that three or four times. And realizing that it's going to hit me in different ways every time I listen to it. So that was beautifully said and, and couldn't agree more. Thank you. Now, each of us has important moments in our lives. We have encounters, experiences that ignite a spark in us. Sometimes these happen when we come across something different or we seek out a way to encourage other people. 
clearly you care about others. I mean, our listeners can understand that even just minutes into this episode. And you've done great work with a lot of different organizations, including tons of efforts in missions with Baseball Miracles for years now. Why did you decide to get involved with this particular organization and how has it impacted your life? Um, so, yeah, Baseball Miracles has been, uh, I joined in 2013, uh, Baseball Miracles offer, I was seeking out an opportunity to uh, serve others. And I thought of different things like, okay, well, maybe I'll ask people to donate 10 cents for every person I strike out. And I was in the middle of my playing career and um, in the minor leagues with the Red Sox and felt like, okay, I need something to be bigger than myself. Um, I'd started a master's program and I was looking for other things because I enjoy the game, but I know that I'm more than just a baseball player and I wanted to truly embody that. And if all I did was baseball, then I was not embodying that. And uh, so I, I was seeking these things out. I'm looking and looking and looking and I'd been up to double a, and then I got sent down a double a team. We were in Richmond, Virginia, hadn't pitched for three or four days. And as a baseball player, when you don't play for a couple of days, you're like, something's up. And you usually know that something's in the, in the works. They're going to, you know, move somebody up or they're looking to release you, whatever's going on. So I'd gotten sent to, um, the, back to high A, which was in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, both teams were on the road. So it happened to be we were in Virginia. So our, uh, video intern was asked to drive me. And so we drive the five hours out to, uh, Lynchburg. I show up, I get there, uh, about 45 minutes before the team does to the locker room and kind of start unpacking. And, uh, I'd sat down and, you know, you're having these internal conversations about, I suck, I'm horrible. Uh, and battling those with like, no, got to believe in yourself. Good psychology, psychological conversation. And, uh, I, um, I, so I went on the team's website and I saw, you know, how the record was. And then I look at, uh, Twitter and kind of check in on what they've been uh, talking about. And the social media, um, or guess media guy says, uh, retweets this thing about a scout going to Kenya. I thought, wow, that's really cool. Um, and I hadn't thought much of it, you know, I was in my, my deep state of self-pity and self-doubt, um, not too deep, but I, uh, I, so I asked, um, uh, I asked him when he got to the ballpark, he said, Hey, you know, I saw this thing about, uh, scout going to Kenya. That's awesome. And he says, yeah, actually he's going to be at the game today. And I said, no way. And it just sort of started to click. I'm like, wow, this is really unique, right? This is just, it's divine intervention in a lot of ways. And so I go and I, I saw John out and I happened to be scouting or excuse me, uh, charting that day. I wasn't going to pitch for a couple of days. They had me uh, chart the game and uh, we were playing two games. He had a 45 minute delay in between games. And so I went over and talked to John and uh, John Tamania as the a hall of fame scout with the White Sox founder of baseball miracles. And we hit it off. Um, I committed to him. I said, look, I think this is great. I'd love to be a part of it. He said, okay, well, give, you know, maybe we'll think about it. And uh, because everybody wants to go to Kenya, right? Everybody says, oh, Kenya, let's go. But who wants to raise $1,000 to do it? Who wants to raise $2,000, right? Who wants to put their skin in the game? It really takes, and I'm sure, for especially, no offense, but to baseball players in the middle of their season, they aren't looking to go out and fundraise a bunch of money. They're looking to just try to perform and get to the next team uh, to move up. And so I end up uh, telling John, like, look, I'll carry my weight and then some. I promise you, you'll never have to worry about if I carry more than my own weight. And uh, he a week later told me, okay. And so I've never, never looked back. I've always made sure that I carry my weight and then some, and baseball miracles has been a, a way for me to get back to the game of baseball. Wow. What an incredible story. I'm so grateful that you take time to share that in depth 
opportunity and the way that divine interaction has worked in your own life because so often people see things happening as you know a failing or a uh, non-success but in this sense that setback so to speak as the world would have seen it just from that limited mindset actually turned into a huge setup in your life and at the moment you know when that happened probably when you're driving uh, to go to the the high A ball, stadium, ball club stadium and just thinking about what's going to happen next. There's probably so many things going on racing through your mind, like how could this be? What what did I did, do wrong? And as you mentioned, having some self-doubt. But ultimately, God had all those things lined up right along the way. He had the right people, that encounter. And if you hadn't been there, who's to say that you would have met John or that that would have happened in the way that it did in the time that it did? So I think it's a really important thing for people to understand out there, our listeners, that so often in life there are occurrences and there's encounters that can light a divine spark and God is leading us to a new beginning. So often we look at a death, so to speak, when it comes to something happening in a career or something happening in our personal life and that that's the very end, but we have to look at it as a new beginning. Uh, Philip Rivers talks about Nunc Chepe, you know, I begin again, I begin new. And that's something that really is important for us as we navigate through life, because there's going to be ups and downs, mountain and valley moments. But if we can continue to seek out where God is leading us and be open to that call and understand that he has a great plan for each of us, that our story is going to be different than everybody else's. We don't need to compare ourselves to them, but we keep running our own race and keep heeding that call. He's going to lead us to where we ultimately need to be so we can live out our destiny. So true. And and he's going to aid in that way, right? We, when we look at, um, uh, and I, I try to be sensitive to everybody's situation is different financially and where they're at. But one of the things I try to do is anytime I get additional funds, right, whether I get a bonus check or my stocks do well, um, or I have a really good week running an extra clinic at the baseball facility, whatever it is, I try to take that money and immediately move that into savings and investments. And then when I have those low times where I'm short on cash or I, uh, maybe a hit a, a slow week or I get laid off or furloughed, I have extra money to call on. Uh, and the same thing happens in baseball. The same thing happens in our life. When we have these high moments, we have to make sure that we start to stockpile those moments away and say, well, okay, let me make sure I understand where is my true north? Where is my line that I'm walking? Um, and my my state of neutral. And because we're going to have those low moments. And just as when I was having a ton of success, I was seeking, how do I give back? How do I make my career mean something more? Like God moved up to double A in my um, third year of baseball, right. And professional baseball. And, um, and then when I'm struggling, I'm still looking to give back, right. I'm still looking to serve. I'm still looking for those moments because I did that when I was doing well. And, and it's easy sometimes to ride those highs a little bit too high. And then we ride our lows a little bit too low. Um, but just like anything, I mean, the next pitch you throw could be a home run you give up and it could also be a strikeout, right. It could be a really cheap ground ball that gets you a double play and gets you out of a bad inning. And so if we're seeking out those opportunities to come back to knowing ourselves, knowing our relationship with our faith, knowing our relationship with our family and and the world around us, we have to understand how to come back to middle and how to understand how to stay balanced from those highs and those lows. Um, And that's where we get ourselves in a lot of trouble. We start to think that we are, um, we lose our humility and our humbleness. And, uh, but we also forget how valuable we are and how special we are. Absolutely. And I think it reiterates again, as you mentioned, God's journeying with us through this all. Going back into the memory bank of savings, as you had alluded to, is what this can help us with. Because 
what is my mission in life? How can I stay the course? How can I keep the faith, continue to stay focused and to bounce back when things aren't going well and not get too high when things are really great? Because we have to keep that sound approach and stay centered on what really matters and ultimately trying to seek out and find where it is that we're being led to next. And sometimes it might be for uh, a few months in an area where we're grinding and we're kind of trying to find our way. But ultimately, there's going to be this breakthrough moment. If we could just stay ready and we could stay alert and, and open to the different opportunities that present themselves. But so often it takes trust. It takes a leap of faith for people and it takes some intentionality. And certainly you did that by uh, speaking to John, by getting the ball moving, uh, for lack of a better word, and, and look how it has materialized and, and look at the amazing impact that you've been able to have on so many kids throughout the world when it comes to baseball and softball instruction. But ultimately, you've impacted my life in a tremendous manner, um, getting to know you and to be able to serve alongside of you. And I'm sure that you would admit that God has certainly impacted your life through these opportunities of service as well. I appreciate that. It's, um, you know, there's a, uh, Jim Rohn quote. He says, uh, you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with, right? Very classic, um, uh, for, uh, motivational psychology, uh, quote. Right. And I remember taking that a step further and saying, okay, well, that's probably true with any input that I put into my brain or my heart. Right. It's not just the people I spend the time with, but it's the concepts, it's the thoughts, the ideas, the, the energy, the environment that I create in my life is going to create a massive amount of influence on who I am. And so I realized that. And then I looked at my social media and I was, you know, seeing pictures of people's food and seeing pictures of people, you know, like their dog at the park. And I think those things are wonderful. But I started to realize like, what are the inputs that I'm getting and how can I make those better? And I realized social media is a very easy, um, influential piece. And there's, you know, and, the WTF stuff and people complaining and, and having troubles in their life, you say, wait a minute, like, is this necessarily the inputs I want to put into my life? So I just, you know, kindly like unfollowed them. Um, didn't mean that they can't receive what you're doing, but you can just unfollow them say, look, I don't want to see the, the negative information that's coming out of there. And I started realizing I need to be putting better inputs in other people's lives. So I got into, uh, <laughs> and anybody who's following my social media probably sees like a lot of memes that I post. And Latroy Hawkins and I were talking about this. Like, we know that we have influence in the world, and it might be a hundred people that follow us. It might be a hundred thousand people that follow us. At the end of the day, like, how are we leveraging that to do good in the world and to make the world better than you found it? And so, started posting these on a regular basis. And ironically, I've had people say, "Hey, you know, I want to ask you about that post from last month about investing, or remember that quote that you posted from, you know, this author." And I'm like, that was three or four weeks ago. They're like, yeah, I was still thinking about it. And you realize the longevity of the influence that you have could be as simple as just putting positive influences in the world through your social media. Or it could be a massive trip like you and I took to Mexico City where we never met each other. And we walk into this environment like, hey, how's it going? I'm Mike. Hey, I'm Dan. And we seek out, we serve youth of the world that um, are in so much deep need. And I realized that, that those moments don't always have to be cataclysmic. They don't have to be massive. They can be subtle. They can just be an Instagram story that you share or a Facebook post. Um, the way that we leverage and uh, uh, the way that we influence the world is so important because if we don't do it, we can't expect anyone else to do it. We have to embody that and, and model that for the world around us and especially for 
the next generation, but also for the current generation, the generation that we live in, the generation ahead of us. I, it, I think it's really crucial if, if anybody can walk away from this podcast with anything, walk away knowing that your voice matters and your the way that you live your daily life is deeply influential to the world around you, even though you don't see it. Those things are ripples that you might not, they may never come to light in your life uh, ever. They may take a month, they may take a week, they may come to, you know, somebody might reply right away, but leverage those little things and little by little, a little becomes a lot. Yeah, for sure. We all have time. That's one resource <laughs> that each of us is given. We all have 24 hours a day. How we use it is up to us. And what we're doing with that time and the platform that we have can certainly impact other people. You talked about the inputs that we're putting into others' lives and social media is so rampant these days. I mean, it's something that people spend hours on. So if we're going to be putting things out there that can impact other people and breed that positivity, why not go for it? And for those out there who might be a little bit hesitant or might be thinking, well, you know, maybe people are going to be thinking that I'm boasting about something. It's about your intentionality and how you're doing it. Because when we're casting out our nets, Jesus talked about being fishers of men. We have a chance every day to impact other people's lives. And what is the dash going to represent? Each of us has the year we were born on that tombstone and the year that we die. How long we have in between, only the man upstairs is going to tell. But what is the dash going to represent? Mother Teresa mentioned doing small things with great love. And, and you had alluded to it before as well. We don't have to have making a miracle happen. But what we can do is to impact someone on a day-to-day -day basis by embracing little holy moments, saying yes to where we feel our heart and our consciousness leading us to, and that can brighten people's lives. So true. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Be right back at it in a moment. The Life to the Fullest podcast is powered by EF3 Life. Make sure to visit ef3life.com for great resources, stories, and ways to get involved in your community and make a difference. Today's episode is sponsored by Novice Clothing Company. Novice prides itself on custom apparel with a fresh look. Outfitting programs from youth sports to the pros, looking fresh and performing at a high level never looked or felt so good. So many businesses are rocking the crown on their chest because they desire to be outfitted by the best. Novice is the official apparel chosen by Harrison Bucker of the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs. It's time to visit NoviceClothingCompany.com and follow them on social media. Choose Novice. Claim your crown. Welcome back to the Life to the Fullest podcast. I'm your host, Dan Jason. I am here today with Mike McCarthy, pitching coach for the Minnesota Twins, who is joining and discussing his drive and desire to influence the lives of others through acts of service and love. His charity and desire to bring hope to other people is remarkable. Before the break, we were talking about impacting the lives of others. Now, Mike shares the importance of us as human beings to focus on controlling what we can in order to make a difference in our community. Later on, he will share with us the details of the service work he did recently down in the bayou to bring renewed hope to the people in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, it's, as you, um, I think, beautifully speak to, uh, we really have to, to say what are the areas that we can impact and what are the areas that we can't. And, you know, baseball, we 
uh, pretend that like we're really smart and really philosophical, but we say some of the simplest things that are grammatically incorrect. And one of the sayings that I've picked up from a coach and I continue to repeat is control the controllables, right? And I know what, when we look at that dash, that dash is within our control in a lot of ways, right? The front and the back aren't, the dates on the end of it might not be, but what's in that dash is deeply within our control. And we can seek out opportunities to make that dash meaningful in our daily lives, in our weekly lives, our monthly and yearly lives. And the opportunities to do that are, are not predicated on, does somebody open a door for us? But we have to check if the door is open. And part of controlling the controllables is understanding what is available to you in your life. And I try to encourage young players and athletes, students, whenever I speak in schools or used to, um, not less now, obviously with COVID, but we try to encourage them like, hey, that door may be closed, but is it unlocked? Don't see a door as open or closed. See, is it unlocked or not, right? Because an unlocked door is just as capable for you to walk through. It takes a little bit of effort for you to open it versus a door that's already open. But oftentimes those ones that are closed, other people pass them up because they saw them closed. See if that door is unlocked and don't allow yourself to be uh, determined only by whether it's open or closed. No, I love that. Keeping ourselves open to the things that come our way and understanding that we have this ability to also go to those new doors and to knock. You know, God, and, and it talks about in the scriptures that if we seek, we will find. Well, we have to also be the people that take the initiative. And I love how you're encouraging younger people when you're visiting these schools and talking in groups and in communities to make sure that they're doing so. Because we all have passions, we all have purpose, we all have a mission when it comes to our life, why we've been put on this planet. And it's not for us necessarily to decide what that mission is, but ultimately to uncover and to unveil it. It's kind of like peeling layers of an onion. See, if we were to just be given everything that would happen in our life, good, bad, and indifferent, all in one shot, we'd be overwhelmed. But so often it unveils itself little by little and then one thing leads to the next. And these divine connections, these opportunities, these uh, purpose-filled moments are the ones that we'll look back at, at the end of our life and understand, yes, that mm -hmm. was worthwhile. And there's never a day when you do something for somebody else that it goes unnoticed to that person and that you'll remember as something that you were able to do to make the world a better so place. So true. And as you, you made reference to, and it's wintertime, we're all like getting out and making snowballs. One of the interesting things or an example that I'd seen was if you take a snowball, right, and say you just corral a bunch of snow together and try to pack it in this giant ball. So now you've got this, you know, oversized basketball that you're cramming together and you take that and then you go to throw it. It You can't even throw it because it breaks apart because you haven't made the inside as strong as the outside. But if I start with a small snowball and I roll it across the yard, it builds layer by layer by layer by layer. And those layers have to build on each other, almost like the rings on a tree, right? But if I just cram a bunch of snow together and hope that that ball is going to work, it has much less integrity to it and infrastructure, right? And that's the exact same thing. We have to build on it day by day by day by day. And there are going to be days that we fail. We fall backwards. We aren't always moving forward. But we have to have a net forward gain. You know, it kind of looks like, I know reference in stock market a lot today, but it looks like a stock, right? Is it trending upward? It's going to have positive and negative days, but it's got a positive trend line. And I think that's true. That snowball is just building layer by layer. And one layer might slough off, might fall off, might not work. But you just continue to roll it along the snow and you build the integrity to that snowball really well.
Yeah, I can't agree more. It's all about that linear mm-hmm. progression. Ups and downs will happen, but continue to trend upward. Now, you were planning on going on vacation recently at the end of the season, but it was amazing that you amended those plans to go down to southwest Louisiana to serve in the hurricane relief. How did that come to be, and what made you decide that you needed to be down <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, so in the middle of the season, uh, or end of June, I got a call saying, hey, we're gonna, the season's going to start up here in about three weeks. Um, we're going to start training in, in about five days in Minnesota, and we'd, uh, we'd love for you to be part of the coaching staff. So I said, of course. I um, had left my car. I live in Nevada. I left it in Florida uh, at spring training when we shut down. Go get it. Drive up to, to Minnesota. So get there, and our COVID protocol was hotel, room. You can take your mask off any other time. Mask is on. Stay away from people. No restaurants. No bars know nothing, go to the ballpark, come back, right? And you can go out and run or bike, but you have to stay away from people. So really this deep isolation. And, um, you know, so we really got to know the players and the staff and like it's your, you build a brotherhood within that group, a deep level of team camaraderie. And uh, as we're going through this, I'd, I'd seen uh, Hurricane Laura hit um, like Charles and I thought, man, that's tragic. And it, I had a flashback to Hurricane Katrina when I was a kid and in high school and I, you know, was, I was like, man, I should go down there. You know, I'm going to, I'll take dad's truck and, and he'll never know. It'll be in the middle of the night and I'll drive off and I'll, I'll go down there and help out. And, you know, the sanity came back and realized you're right in the middle of school. There's a lot of things going on that you can't walk away from, but it just, I had, I remember having this urge, this like deep, deep visceral feeling. And so when I saw Hurricane Laura in the videos, I'm like, and the, the flyover by the helicopter with the video, um, uh, of all the blue tarps, of all the water in homes, just deeply impacts you. And it brought me right back to that moment as a kid. And those moments are deeply impactful on us um, when we realize my dad's a firefighter, paramedic, done search and rescue, whitewater rescue, like a guy that has been living a life of service through his career his whole life. And so I said, you know, man, if, I, if we were in the middle of the season, I'd go down there and I had to help out. I really would. Like I would definitely drive down there. And I, sure enough, what, uh, six, seven weeks later, five and a half weeks, another hurricane hits. And I'm packing up the hotel room and I'm putting my bags away and, and uh, in the car and then saw this video come across uh, um, on YouTube that I'd subscribed to. And I see it and I'm like, whoa, I've got to call my bluff, right? I was planning to go on a, a hiking trip, go to Glacier National Park, you know, chase down some grizzly bears do the adrenaline based stuff that I enjoy doing, right. Running off cross glaciers and, and these things, but they, and they're wonderful. They're beautiful. They're, they're connected with nature and resetting your, your compass, right. In a lot of ways, that time with self is really important to remember what is valuable. Um, we get caught up in, in professional sports and the, uh, the elitism of our lives of living in hotels and catered food and all these things. No, like go back to nature, get back to the, to eating granola bars and, and running uh, around with the wildlife. And I realized in that moment, <laughs> no, you've got to call your bluff. And so literally I had a choice. I started, I had to drive south anyway for about 100 miles. And so I got on the phone and I started calling places in Louisiana, trying to find a place to volunteer. And I realized, you know what, I'm going to drive south. And so I just stayed on 35 north or 35 south and went uh, all the way down to, to Lake Charles and um, set up a GoFundMe page along the way and um, had, you know, really generous folks uh, uh, donate to it. Um, we were able to bring in, help out with food and help out with uh, chainsaws. And so I spent about 10 days down there helping out and 
Um, we got families, you know, they were just in need of soap and diapers and water, uh, basic necessities. And then other people that had massive trees that fell in their home and uh, was a, a not a, just uh, limited their ability to to live uh, safely, but also uh, to keep water out of their home, to keep themselves dry for the generator that, run, that runs the air conditioner. They can't do anything with it because they don't even have a tarp on their house um, to dry it out and the mold that's growing. I mean, just a deep need for people down there. And so, um, yeah, I spent about 10 days down there and, and really uh, uh, appreciated the opportunity to, to see a new experience, to realize, again, how blessed my life is, how fortunate I am, and, and how much there's uh, people in need in this world. Well, your perspective is certainly incredible. Uh, you put on your heart that you wanted to do something, and that was a seed that's been germinating all the while. And you continue to have these great humanitarian efforts with organizations like Baseball Miracles and, and doing things in your own manner behind the scenes. But this is just another example, again, of a yes that you answered the call to. You know, you had planned to do these things when it comes to having fun and, and nature and just enjoying a vacation. But so often our plans aren't the way that we would have expected. But it was that small yes that you ignited and you were able to lead other people and have the spire web effect of how to impact others in that area that was hit with the, with the hurricane. And it's just an amazing testament to in our life when we are open and there's something that's put on our heart that we trust and understand that it's going to work out better than we can ever expected. And isolation is certainly one of the things that people battle in an intense manner not only during the pandemic, but outside of it as well, especially when communities are destroyed by natural disasters. And your efforts certainly helped to bring the community together with all those that you collaborated with and through. And it makes me think of Phil Jackson, the great Zen master, 13-time champion as a coach and player, who said this, and it's a quote that I really try to think about, contemplate, and my efforts, and I hope those who are listening can try to live by it. And that is, no man goes his way alone. What I put into the lives of others will come back into its own. And what is the value there is pouring into other people's lives. And it makes me think that, you know, in life, we have these opportunities and these moments that we can say yes to or we can suppress. But by saying yes and heeding that call, look at the beautiful example that you were able to lead and also the impact you're able to have on those people to breed that sense of hope that they mattered and that they weren't forgotten about, that we can do this together. We can rebuild that community and make an impact in the lives so of true. other people. You know, and it, it's one of the um, one of the kids that I've been fortunate to interact with, uh, actually through Baseball Miracles, he had seen what we'd done, the trips that we'd gone, the social media posts, things of that nature. And he had, or his mom actually originally reached out to me and said, hey, you know, get, um, he would like to do a um, uh, equipment drive, you know, to help out Baseball Miracles. So that's awesome. Let's do it. And so he went out and started doing it on his own. And, you know, I kind of mentored him through it. And he ends up doing one equipment drive and it brings in a little bit of stuff. And then he, the next year, does another one and it brings in even more. And the next one it does even more. And now he's built a life of service, right? all manifested indirectly through something that I just post on social media. And it's not because I'm some great baseball player. I didn't even make the major leagues. Like he knows and has interacted with Mookie Betts and Andrew Benatendi and some much, much bigger names than I am. Right. I was the guy that made it to AAA for a little bit of time. 
right? But what he he was influenced by was not because you're the best player or or that you have um, are at the the alpha of the situation or at the top of the hierarchy in your career, but that you're just seeking to do good in the world. And that it's it's this subconscious energy that is fed off into the world around you that we have to try to harvest. And I I went to Louisiana solely out of the desire to say, you know what? There's two major things. One, there's people in need, and that's where we're called to go. But two, I need to open my eyes. I need this experience in my life because the photos and the videos are no longer enough. I need to see this firsthand. I need to be down there, and I need to get my hands dirty. I need to get my boots dirty, right? This can't just be a, let me deposit, I'll send 100 bucks and you know help out. No, you need to get your butt mm. down there and do this right? You are the one that can do something about this. Not like, I'll just kind of do it from a distance. And I think that we're all called to do this in our communities. If you see something in need, if you see something going on, be a part of it. Be the person that takes action, right? Those people that take action are the ones that deeply influence the world. And I don't know what will come of my experience in Lake Charles, but I hope that that ripple continues to be sent out to others. And I know that I've had um, high school players have reached out to me. He's like, hey, I saw that thing you did in Lake Charles. And this is a month later. They say, uh, you know, that's really cool. I, I want to do something like that someday. I'm like, let's do it. No, you should do it. Like, let's find an opportunity for you to do it. And you call them on it just as I called myself on it. And in that moment, they're like, yeah, I can do it. Right. And you give them the encouragement. You give them the motivation and the support that they need to take that step to do something special in their life and to believe in themselves. And they will send out that ripple to the next group and on and on and on. And this generational change will have manifested from that initial action of influence in the world, just as somebody influenced me, my father, my coaches over the years, my teachers, community leaders, mentors. They've influenced me. I'm influencing the next generation. It's on us, each an individual person to take action. For sure. We are all influencers. And you hit the nail on the head when you said, be a doer. Mm-hmm. And it's like that slogan, just do it. Never know how big our impact is going to be. Based on your experiences down south, what image or encounter most impacted you? And why is that something that will stick with you for a long time? Stick with you for a long time. Uh, I, I went out the first day I was there. And part of it, we were trying to get this um, parking lot developed or opened up so that we could bring in um, some trailers with more supplies. And it was just um, it was my first day there. I, I was there for, got there about one o'clock. So it was just there wasn't, um, everything's planned out in the morning. So you take off and you go do a job and you, uh, maybe two or three jobs, uh, however many you can do in that day, um, safely. And with the staff that you have, the volunteers, um, with the tools and supplies, et cetera. And so, um, I cut down, you know, this palm tree that had fallen in the parking lot, moved it, um, uh, and had made room so we could bring in another trailer that was going to help us with supplies and make more functional space. And, um, I, I just wanted to see things, right? I wanted to open up. And so I got on my bike and, um, I was supposed to be driving back to Nevada, um, from Minnesota. So segue through Louisiana and I, I go out for a bike ride and I say, you know, I, I want to go see what's going on. And it's, I think it's easy to do from your car, you know, you jump on the car, but you're in this confined space. You're in, it's heated and air conditioned and you got the radio on. There's a, a mini environment that you're traveling around in, in this box on wheels, right? But instead I want to be more present. So I get on my bike and I go for this bike ride and I go past the um, tower that's there in Louisiana and see all of the windows that are broken and they've been boarded up with uh, plywood. And I mean, literally talking about two thirds of the windows have been blown out 
and they have plywood over them. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like that's how powerful this storm is, right? And this is built in a hurricane-based region. So it's been uh, approved for hurricane weather and it still blew out two-thirds of the windows. And so I'm driving down through homes and I see, I mean, home after home with, you know, roofs caved in and trees on top of cars and blue tarps. Um, I mean, it looks like a war zone. And as I come to the end of the street, I look in front of me and there's a home and, you know, it looked like it was a nice home. It's got white with some blue uh, trim on it. And the front window had been blown out and there's a, a piece of plywood over it. It says Merry Christmas on it. And I realized that people know that they're going to be there well through Christmas and they're already setting up for it. They already know that Christmas is going to come and they're still mm. going to be having plywood on their windows and their roofs torn off with tarps uh, before anything gets fixed. And that they have to start preparing for that. They shouldn't be preparing for what's going to happen next week, but saying, hey, we got to be in this for the long haul. And for me, it was deeply impactful to say, wow, I just, I think of what happened today and say, well, my food was cold. Or I have a simple complaint about uh, traffic that I hit on the highway. And these folks know that for months they're going to live with that piece of plywood in their front door or front window. And yet they know they want to say, hey, I still want to say Merry Christmas. I still want to project joy to the world. And this, it's just amazing to think about what is going through the minds of that family and the experience that they're having. Yeah, I, I think seeing it for ourselves, and it's a reminder, as we discussed earlier, to stand with people in their situation. As you mentioned, you know, we can give in terms of monetary contributions, but when we go and we're actually there with other people, the power of our presence alone is magnanimous. And it allows us also to have great compassion that will change us from the inside out. It will turn our hearts upside down. Our gratitude will continue to grow exponentially, as well as our desire to use our time to bring hope and joy to other people. It'll be something that's on the forefront of our minds. Uh, one experience that you mentioned before, when we were serving in Mexico City, the, the, the scene at the dump and these kids that are emerging from piles of garbage to come to the baseball clinic to have a day of hope is something that's seared into my mind. It's something that probably I will never forget. And there's these experiences that you had down in Louisiana that are doing the same. And it's just going to be that fuel that continues to ignite the fire within us to desire to be these men and women for others and to continue to serve and to try to bring hope to people in hopeless situations. Now, as a former pro athlete and now a professional baseball coach, what would you say excites you most off of the diamond and the reason for why you continue to look for situations and opportunities to give back? And then the second part of that is, are there any things coming up that you're hoping to look forward to getting involved in in the near future? I think as a um, professionally or as a coach, I look at the opportunity for our players to have an impact, right? They And they seek out these opportunities. Um, they look to do those things. They you know, I'll message a guy like, hey, this, uh, you know, I found out this is his kid's birthday next week. He'd love to get a message from you. And they're like, yeah, they take a selfie video in the car. Or they say, hey, you know, Joey, just want to tell you happy birthday from whoever. And they just seek out those mini moments to make an impact. And I realize that it's, it's easy to take yourself and elevate yourself and put yourself on a pedestal that is above others. But when they make the humblest attempts to help others, um. I'm humbled as well to realize that's not easy because of the environment we've created. We've, we've tried to push them to a pedestal. 
um, because they are so good. We, we surround them and view them as they're performing their elite um, uh, sport, right? And their elite motor function that they can throw a baseball and 40,000 of us show up to watch it and hundreds of thousands on TV watch it and on the radio and on YouTube TV or wherever we're watching it from today, right? Hundreds of thousands of people have put this person in the limelight, in the spotlight and said, boom, do what you do and we'll be amazed by you. And we realize that it's easy for them to lose those simple moments of joy, of caring for others, of, of giving back. And then when they do that, um, I'm, I'm deeply humbled by that. I admire that and appreciate that. And uh, I try to pass it on to them, letting them know how much I admire them as people as um, off the field, how they are deeply impacting the world around them in ways that they'll never know. Um, but that, you know, even as a coach who we can put ourselves in a segregated environment and say, well, I'm a coach and that's a player and we don't really talk about those things, but letting your players know that you admire them, that you see them as um, leaders in this world and how they have um, the opportunity to impact the world around them. And they do that, um, I think speaks to uh, uh, a book. I remember reading Wes Moore's book and he says, uh, uh, you're not a product of uh, uh, your environment, you're a product of your expectations, right? And the expectations we have when we subtly, uh, if I tell that person like, hey, I really like your car, what did I teach them? To be materialistic. But if I tell them, hey, I really like how you went out and worked with that kid or you went out and sought out that kid, like you didn't have to go talk to him or you didn't have to make that video, but I admire how you did that. Now you've taught them to do that, right? Where it's, you've rewarded their good behavior, what they're choosing. And you've said, hey, I... I don't admire the cool shirt that you have or the Nikes that you got. I admire your actions and how you serve the world around you. We should be deeply and truly manifesting this in our children and the next generation, but also in our daily lives with the people around us, our peers, letting people know, hey, I see that guy across the street. Did you see that? He just picked up that trash that wasn't his and put it in the trash can. That's pretty impressive, right? And for your child, they're like, wow, mom and dad admire that or uncle admires that or you know, the coach that I work with, he admires that kind of stuff and not doesn't admire the fact that I can throw a hundred miles an hour. He sees me as a human being. I should do more of those things. And if we do those things, I think we, we deeply influence the world. And I see my player or not my players, but the players that I work with doing those things, right? I see the people that I get to work with. Um, and I feel fortunate that they are my peers in many ways doing those things. Well, they're tremendously blessed and fortunate to have you as the great leader that's showing them that way. And somebody who is willing to emphasize the things that truly matter. I couldn't agree more with you when you're talking about setting the bar higher to focus on things that have impact in our lives, in people, in, in young children, and how we can show them through these small experiences on a day-to-day -day basis. As you well know, we don't have to go somewhere across the world to have an impact on others that happens every day in our own community and in our daily life. But it fires me up, man, to know that there's people like you out there who are utilizing their time, treasure, and talent to serve and to be that leader, to bring that hope to others and to lead the next generation to a better way of living because ultimately it's, that's what it's about. Uh, It's because I've been modeled that behavior, right? I've learned that from others and I've just decided to manifest that in my life. And it's a choice. It's a conscious choice. It's not a like, well, I wish I could. I seek those opportunities out. And I know that I want that to be a ripple effect that I carry with me the rest of my life. It's something that I want to grow. I don't want it to shrink. Um, and, and those moments I know will impact another player because they impacted me from coaches that I had, teachers I had, mentors I had.
um, just as you are impacting the world around you, right? You seek out opportunities to serve, whether it's through your podcast or Habitat for Humanity, through your church. Like you are seeking opportunities to manifest that in your life and send out this ripple to the world around you, knowing your ripple is only going to get bigger. And when we look back, we'll say, man, I, two years ago, I should have done way more than I, do, than I was because you're doing so much more today. If you're a coach, mm-hmm. you say, wow, what I was teaching two years ago, that's so archaic. And, and I didn't realize the negative impact or the, I didn't realize that there was more I could be doing, more of a positive impact I could be making. And I look at that today. I think about what I taught in 2018. I'm like, wow, I was a horrible coach. Not because I'm down on myself or I thought that my intentions were poor, but I realize I'm so much better today. But again, that snowball effect, right? That is layers upon layers upon layers. I mean, the snowball grows faster and faster each layer that's added on. Those layers expand much more, or the volume of that expands bigger with each layer you add on. And that's the same thing in our lives. We have to seek out those opportunities now because what we do in two years, we'll look back on and say, wow, it's a little bit embarrassing. I fell short there. But the only way to get to that state is by starting today, by the actions we start to take and we build and build and build. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the main thing is we continue to grow. We continue to progress, influence the lives of others to make it better. And we have to have, as you mentioned, that humility to reflect and understand that we have so much more untapped potential. And when we continue to pay it forward to other people, then today, this day could be the best that we've lived and we could truly live life to the fullest. Now, Mike, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join me on the Life to the Fullest podcast and join us on the EF3 platform. I'm grateful to have you on the air. And for our listeners that have heard part of your inspiring story, your work with Hurricane Disaster, your heart of service, the relief efforts, and your dedicated service to nonprofits like Baseball Miracles. Before we close out, is there anything else that you would want to leave our say, listeners you know, with today? And we've really hammered this on this podcast, which is beautiful. Like, Seek out opportunities to serve in your daily life. Look for those moments. And, you know, doors may be closed, but it doesn't mean they're not unlocked. Seek out those opportunities to unlock them every day. Um, on top of that, Dan, thank you for everything you're doing, the way you live your life. Um, the message that you're passing along through this podcast uh, and the way that you're impacting the world in ways that uh, the rest of us will never truly understand all fully, uh, but you're influencing us deeply. Um, so thank you for doing that. No, I'm grateful to do so. I'm, I'm super thankful to call you my friend, to have you share with the, us this inspirational story. And I wish you all the best as your team will continue to prepare for the next season. And as we're looking forward together to serve on mission again with baseball miracles in the near future. And again, happy birthday. I mean, Mike's taking this time today on his birthday to share this message. Uh, yeah, any I, plans um, for the big day? It's important for me to live uh, and to model that life of service. So, uh, gosh, about 12, 13 years ago, I did start to uh, make commitments to myself that every day on my birthday, I would spend serving others. So, um, working with local, uh, food banks and, um, soup kitchens is how I'll spend my birthday. And, uh, it allows me to really manifest what I want for the next year of my life, um, of living life service. That's awesome. Amazing stuff. There you have it, everybody. Mike McCarthy, make sure to follow him on social media and connect with baseball miracles by going to baseballmiracles.org. Thanks Thank again, you, Mike. Take care, Dan. Have a blessed birthday and be- For EF3 and the Life to the Fullest podcast, I'm your host, Dan Jason. 
Thanks for joining me today and for taking time to learn of the great efforts and the heart of service of a pro's pro, Mike McCarthy. Mike continues to impact the lives of others and brings new hope to people he serves. Make sure to visit ef3life.com and follow us on social media at EF3Life. Keep fighting the good fight and spread your love wherever you go. By sharing our time and talents, we can make this world a better and brighter place. Have a great day, everyone. And as always, keep living life to the fullest.